0: you now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, The Stay Woke Podcast, right here on TheSonicBreakdown.com.
1: Man, it's time to wake up, up. get this cake up, the only thing I care about is switching. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know The Stay Woke Podcast is presented by TheSonicBreakdown.com. So head over there and check out our brand new articles and reviews. Uh, We have a brand new article coming out shortly um, from Jason Terrell, and we just put up an article from Delmar Nepew. So please go over there and check that out and uh, let us know what you think about those reviews and uh, shout us out and let us know uh, what other albums we should review. Today's episode is going to be part three of our Rapture discussion. Uh, If you haven't, go check out part one and part two. Uh, Part one, we covered Logic, and in part two, we covered Dave East and Nas, uh, the legend Nas. So that was a a great episode, so definitely go check those two out. But let's get right into today's episode, and we're going to be covering T.I. I I labeled or titled this one uh, The Social Injustice in T.I. Just because of, or not social injustice, social social activism in T.I. Just because of the content that was divulged in this episode. We have uh, Damon, Mister Transman from the Vibrations podcast, here for uh, this part as well. So, welcome, man! Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me again, brother.
1: And uh, let's get right into it. Let's get right into and we've kind of had a, a, I guess, a, a format that we've been kind of following. So I say we might as well continue following it and break down how. When did you start uh, listening to Ti? And how much of uh, how much do you know about Ti prior to the to the episode?
0: I actually heard T.I. from his, um, I think it's the King album. Mm -hmm. The the King one that came out in 06. What You Know was my favorite song. That was, actually, that was my whole favorite song for the whole year when that came out. Also with Top Back. I also heard, you know, Rubber Band Man. So I've been familiar with T.I.'s music since I was was in junior high. He was one of my favorite hip-hop artists at the time. Um, I really like how he used to kind of make hip-hop kind of the traditional way back then and then now he has this whole shift into more of um awareness into his music now
1: i agree with you to a certain extent um just to give some background information i've been listening to ti basically since he he came out i remember actually a, a funny story is one of the first times uh that coming well when i was i moved to california about my freshman year in high school and at that time one of the one of my close friends that I still am friends with today, uh, that's how we started bonding, is through uh, our appreciation for TI with I'm Serious. And uh, it felt like at that time, it felt like me and uh, for those out there that know uh, Matt, our F and Maddie, who's been on the podcast before as well, uh, it felt like we were like the only ones at our high school that knew about TIs, I'm Serious. And we were like, yo, this guy's so dope, man. He just has a different flair, different style. And so we kind of gravitated to to that music. But what i was uh, touching back on your point of, uh, I do feel that he has made a transition or a um, an, an awakening. But I don't think it's as drastic as uh, some people may think. If you listen to even I'm serious, um, the content that he's stating there is still very um, awakened uh, or awoke. Uh, in in what he's talking about now, the way that he disseminates it, I think, has changed a little bit. Mm. Um, I think he's more um, he's elevated the how he uh, articulates his points, and and is doing more research into finding different options uh, in the social social realm, such as you know voting, contacting your congressman, things of that nature. I think that part has been uh, brought more to the forefront. But I feel like he's he's the same Ti as he's been as is now, he's still trying to educate people and get them to a better space than they were. Um, and I felt like he he did that even back in the day with uh, his previous albums like uh, Rubber Band Man, um, I'm Serious, Urban Legend album, Paper Trail, even Trap Music. There was elements in it that you know were still very, what you would call stereotypic of uh, rap, but I also feel that he had a, a lot of gems in there. Um, if you really had to break down the lyrics though. Mm. What, uh, you stated that you said, um, the King album is your favorite TI album. Is that correct?
0: No, that was just the first first one one that you got to.
1: Okay. What what's your favorite TI album?
0: I honestly didn't do enough exploration (laughs) into that. Um, I'm just going to stick with the King. Okay. That was kind of the first one I was in again, I was introduced to TI at the time. So I'm going to stick with that one. Okay. Yeah.
1: Before we get into, well, I'll say, well, my favorite, uh, just to touch on that, my favorite album of his would be either us or else. As uh, I'll say that's one. Usurals, oh the new, the yeah, most recent one. I think that's. I'll say that's tied as my favorite with that and Urban Legend, just because of the. I just, I just think he did a, a really well job of, getting his point across, articulating it, as well as putting it over production and pre- presenting it in a way that makes it entertaining but informative. Um, I think those two albums highlighted his ability to do that. Now let's get right into the, the actual episode of Rapture. One of the things that I did pick up early is the, just the fact that complexity. I think that this episode theme for me was just complexity of like humans, we are complex beings. We like, to, we like to put things in boxes. We like to categorize things, but we're so complex it's hard to actually put those things in. because, And the reason why I say that is uh, there was a scene towards the end with Harry Belafonte. And he's basically saying that you're a contradiction. You know, you're wearing. Oh yeah, that.
0: about the about the jewelry and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember that. And part.
1: and to me, that that scene kind of encompassed the theme of the whole episode because if you see it throughout it, he's talking about. The negative things that he's done, talked about, seen, been a part of. CI
0: who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, CI, okay.
1: as well as, but as well as the positives that he's brought to light of, you know, making a way for his family, educating others about social justice and social um, uh, problems in, in, in society. But then he's wearing the the gaudy jewelry. So, like, it's that contradiction of itself. It's like you're telling people, you know, to have self-wealth but then you're wearing all this jewelry that's kind of saying you're putting your value in material. Mm, So um, I just thought, like I said, I thought that was the running theme of complexity of, and, and uh, of humans. The other thing that I would say is a running theme of it and ties into the complexity is how complex social issues are. Walter Scott case, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling. When you look at it from one prism, it seems like they're very easy are very uh, straightforward things of white cop kills black man, unarmed black man. But it's a lot more complex than that. Why is the white cop feeling this afraid of black men? Why is, uh? why is society have like all of these questions make this situation more complex than just, you know, that cop shouldn't have shot that man, which is, that's still the case, but we need to dive deeper into it and find out why this is going on. So we can figure out what the solution is. Right. Because, right in a lot of the cases and then this is going into the social aspect of it but a lot of the cases that you hear is uh, the cop or the the oppressed or the oppressor saying that they felt scared that was their reason their their impetus for killing uh black men
0: right. right and then it's just and then a lot of times it's just they say they think it's justified exactly to me
1: well one to me that doesn't justify it because as black men as a black man we walk through the world every day scared that that's there's an inherent fear in us as black men walking through the world that any time anything you do can be used against you. Uh this is a point um that came up personal for me recently my brother uh, was just handcuffed and arrested for watching a fight. He wasn't even participating, he got off the Swear. bar. Yeah, he got off the bar. What the fuck? He saw two women fighting and just like multiple people that were there bystanding, they they were like oh shit, you know, the women fighting. It's it's like a car accident. People want to look, and he happened to be looking, and the cop arrested him, saying that he was a part of it.
0: Which so he they had, arrested. He's the only one that got arrested. He's the out, only one that got
1: arrested out of all the bystanders. But he was also the only black man there.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: So Fuck. that's what I mean. As in, literally, we can be doing anything else. Everybody else is doing not even doing anything, and there's still that inherent fear that you will get uh, just the just the amount of. I Trou- don't not when you say trouble, but the amount of... Basically, you feel like you have to walk on eggshells at all times because you don't know what misstep you might do that's not even really a misstep that's going to change your life in drastic ways. Luckily for my brother in that situation, there was another cop that was standing by and he saw the whole situation and he said he had nothing to do with it. Now, if that cop wasn't there, the cop that arrested my brother was, willing, was ready to... He was about to take him down, take him to jail.
0: Either that or what if, what if in another in another scenario that cop could have added more to the reason as to what uh the justification of arresting your brother he'd be basically teaming up with that cop exactly. like, yeah, yeah, he did do that as a matter of fact, and, and that's and it's what, like two against one
1: exactly and that's my point is that that's the fortunate situation in this situation is that the the second cop did the right thing he saw the situation said you know he had nothing to do with this let that man go like you you're 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 in essence you're harassing somebody. For nothing. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, the, the things that, as a black man, that we, we feel like we have to walk through. Um, if you take a listen to our Jay-Z um, series that we did on the 444 Footnotes, we brought up things of that of black men feel like we're walking around the world with 10,000 pressure, 10, th- in a box with 10,000 pressure, 10,000 pounds of pressure around us at all times. That is... Or another uh, way to put it is we feel, we feel like as if we have to walk through the world on defense at all times. Or another, even another example, football analogy, we feel like we have to walk around the world with our head on a swivel, always looking for the potential of something coming to get us, the potential of something coming to harm us, a potential of something to incarcerate us, infringe upon our justice. So all of these kind of feelings were evoked through the Rapture documentary um, with T.I., Specifically, when he's talking to Mary Chisholm, uh, showing the Rodney King beatings, the Walter Scott, the Alton, Alton Sterling's—all of those things were evoked. And so, I wanted to ask you, since you're not a black man, that you don't, you can't necessarily ex- or feel the same experiences that we go through. What did those images and that topic evoke for you?
0: Well, over the course of my life, I've had many black friends. I mean, hell, my brother, the person who I run a podcast with, is black. He gave me his personal experiences, along with many other beings that I have met in my entire life. This out, and this will tie in with my answer. Uh, where Ti met with Jane Elliott, who's mm-hmm. that anti-racism and educator, mm-hmm. when she did the experiment of the blue eyes and brown eyes mm-hmm. um, experiment, it kind of gave a an opening door to kind of what it's like in terms of being oppressed all the time, and that was just a very small sample size, mm-hmm. and. And from what I remembered, she's like, just from that sample size alone, I was able to feel that. Like, I can't even imagine your entire life. Mm. Again, you're right. I don't have that experience of that. But I do know that I do have empathy towards people who are being oppressed. I know what it's like to kind of be on the, other, the receiving end of criticism and hating you probably for your skin color. Now, again, I'm not black, but... I have been around people who probably don't really like mixed beings like myself or white people. Usually Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had that sort of me here and there, but not every Mm -hmm. time. So again, I can't attest to it fully, but I can in little tidbits. And I felt like, dang, I didn't even do anything. I just, I just, it's just the way I look. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't really change that. So I know that like, that's one of the issues that we got going on. And it sucks because again, I have many, I have many black friends. I have many people of uh, different racial backgrounds as friends, and it it sucks that like this country still has a, an issue with it. I,
1: I would even I would even expand upon it that it's not just this country because I've been to other countries and I've seen um, racism in other countries that it's not it's not even subjugated to United States. We just have a interesting way of displaying it. I think that's that's what. That's the only difference. Um, And and it's more what I'll say is my experience is I feel like in America, they don't want to acknowledge it. And that, I think, is one of the the issues. You can't address a problem unless you acknowledge it and and be willing to work through it. Um, And with that involves
0: dialogue. Well, let me uh, clarify. I didn't mean just specifically the U.S. No, no, I, I just say that because yeah, we live here. I live here. Yeah, I, I, didn't, here, yeah, so I, so didn't, I didn't. I didn't. Ta- I didn't. Yeah,
1: I didn't take it as that. I'm just saying. I think for just for our listeners that that might not have might not have been able to travel the world or see uh you know that doesn't uh do that extra footwork and find out what else is going on um i yeah i didn't know uh, oh, so
0: you're bringing your experiences over here to. Yeah, okay okay yeah. Oh, gotcha. i'm just
1: informing other people that might not realize it that think this is an american issue it's not necessarily an american issue for us it is because we are in america but racism and and uh the oppression of of people of color is is very um a, a worldwide thing
0: you know unfortunately what? actually let me add on to that too you're absolutely right about that, and I and I and I thank you for bringing that up. I traveled to Peru in 2015 with my uh, with my uh, ex-wife back then. Now, obviously, I am a lighter shade of everybody else there. Uh, I usually get a lot of looks. They usually think I have money. I have a gold chain around my neck, so I usually had to hide it in case you know mm. someone wants to come up and try to gank it from me. So, I I know what it's like to be in another world that I'm like that I'm not familiar with or that I'm was even born in. Mm. So when they were kind of looking at me, I was kind of given these weird vibes. So a lot of times I would have to walk with someone because I couldn't be out there by myself and stuff like that. So I know, again, I, I've experienced that for about two weeks. So I know what that's like a, a little bit. Gotcha.
1: And I do want to go back to a little bit and address that uh, the Jane Elliott experiment. And thing that I found so um, interesting is that. As you said, in that experiment, it was a very small sample size, one, of, you know, a, a, a classroom of, of individuals, and two, that it was only for a short period of time. However, the long the, the class was, were, best case scenario, I would say maybe two years, you know, I mean, not two hours, two hours, uh, that they were experiencing this uh, oppression. And the thing that stood out was the level of emotions that were uh, garnered as a result of that small amount of time being oppressed. That girl that felt like she was being uh, picked on,
0: the one that cried, yeah, that, was the crying. One that
1: crying because she had the glasses, and and was like, I don't want to do this with anymore. And you know, Jane Elliott was like, Well, black people don't have the they don't have the options to remove themselves from the situation. There yeah, is yeah, no the, removal. Yeah. So I thought that was eye opening for those that might not experience it. But I also felt it was eye opening for me in the fact that it attests to the resilience of black people. The fact that we are under that pressure consistently from the time we're born to the time we die and we still are thriving striving and 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 doing great things uh making it to levels that you wouldn't think we would be able to attain with that amount of pressure on us at all times um, so it just gave me some resolve in uh the strength that people black people have as as a culture
0: Um, That's a very good perspective. Uh, What I took away from that was it was all just truth and realness and it was just all raw and unfiltered. I just appreciate that because I like I really appreciate messages where it's all the it may be a little harsh, but it's the truth. That's what that's what I that's what I took away from that. And I felt that I like how the entire um, episode, well, at least in that part, I mean, that segment really brought it out. And I hope that people took that and ran with it.
1: I would say I don't. And I'm not trying to be cynical or uh, pessimistic, but I don't think as many people are going to feel that scene as they should. And the reason why I say that is because I've seen that. I've seen that scene several times. I've seen that clip from Jane Elliott. I've seen, you know, uh, multiple documentaries about her and, and the works that she's been doing in the experiments and her trying to educate people. And I'll say a lot of the times that I've been in interactions with other people viewing that, it doesn't affect them in the same way. They see it, they go, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's crazy. And then they go on with their lives where I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and, you know, you know, protest and do all that. But I'm saying that touches into the point about white privilege. If you see that and you're you are white and you that then gives you an opportunity to do something. And what I mean by that, again, is that, you know, I'm not telling you to go be a politician because not everybody's cut out for that, that, you know, that's not everybody's path. But what that can say is if you do see oppression in your everyday life, you can stand up for it or uh, that as well as you can start being more attentive and looking for not looking for, but being aware of when you do see things that are uh, considered oppressions uh, against people of color and do something for it. You see somebody taking advantage of let's say somebody that doesn't speak english well at a, at a store that's that's oppression because somebody's taking advantage of them speak up and say no 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 you know that that that's not how much it costs it's only five dollars whatever that's a small incremental step of helping others and and fighting this um as well as speaking up against it we just recently had that big thing in the news about starbucks
0: oh i didn't hear about this
1: uh, for those who, who haven't heard about it, um, it's uh, what happened. I'm not sure what city or what state it was, but there was an incident at Starbucks where there was two uh, black men that were there. Uh, I guess the owner or the manager or the barista stated to the gentleman that they needed to leave because they didn't purchase anything. The gentleman told uh, the barista, the owner, the manager, we're just waiting on our friend to get here. Then we're going to purchase something basically, you know, in normal situations. I've been in the situation at Starbucks before and the same thing they've told me, you know. But, They let it be, Um, especially if you're not packed, and that's the impression that was given through the video. You're not packed, like packed. uh, The Starbucks isn't to capacity. Where oh, oh, you know, I'm saying like where there's people standing that actually purchase something. Okay, yeah, then our patrons of the uh, coffee shop should have a seat for those versus those who are not buying anything. That's understandable. But again, from the video that's not the impression that was given. Person I I saw the video from that perspective was saying they didn't do anything wrong. They were just sitting there waiting for their friend. The cops come in basically arrest the two men, take them out and as the men are being taken out, their friend literally comes up to the door. So like oh, it's not man. like they were lying, it's not like they were trying to they weren't making, you know, they weren't making a scene or anything like that. They were just being normal it's what it looked like to me like just normal college students trying to meet up, probably get some studying on, talk and drink some coffee. But they got arrested and kicked out of the Starbucks because of that. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because those patrons, they did what I was talking about. The person taking the video, them telling the cops, hey, they didn't do anything wrong. That's stepping up. That's taking action. That's that is being proactive in the situation of of trying to alleviate and it's a small step, but it's something. To me, I I hope. That a result of this episode, a result of uh, the things that Jane Elliott is doing, we get more people doing that.
0: Be more proactive.
1: Being more proactive and just being, like I said, inserting, sometimes you do have to insert yourself in situations that aren't involving you to help others. Like I said, in that situation with the guy, the person at Starbucks telling the cops, hey, they didn't do anything. That person is inserting themselves in a situation that has nothing to do with them. Right. But it is beneficial. For society as a whole because if we get more people to speak up this that's what colin kaepernick was trying to do that is the point of what he he wanted to be the voice of the voiceless that guy is being a voice because nobody was listening to the black men that were being arrested because if they did they would have just took their story at hands value and a lot of people i I want to say this because a lot of people when i'm talking to people they were saying that you know the cops didn't do anything wrong, I'm not going to say necessarily that they did something wrong, but I felt like there's a, a better way that they could handle the situation. One is talk to the barista, talk to the owner, talk to whoever called the cops, get their story, talk to the young black men. Why do you have to handcuff them and arrest them in the store to to get their statement? You can, hey, hey, what's going on, man? And the, I'm sure the, the the gentleman would have been like, hey, we're just in here. We're waiting on our friend to get here. once he gets here, we're going to get some drinks and study, do whatever we plan to do here.
0: That's a, that's unfortunate there Versus usually is arrest
1: always- them take them out you know what I'm saying because I feel like if you did that by the time you're having those conversations and let's say you don't want you want to make sure it's not heated you keep them separated have the gentlemen sit where they were you one cop because there were two cops in the scene that I saw one cop talked to the gentleman one cop talked to the person that called the cops get this story because again it's the law is you're innocent until proven guilty. So they came in, arresting the black men, assuming that they're already guilty. Assuming then
0: then I think it's flipped now. You're proven guilty. You're 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 guilty until proven innocent.
1: And that's not how the law should work. Because I don't. I agree. Because if that's the case, I can say right now, "Hey, Damon's in my house trying to rob me." Is that the case? No. (laughs) (laughs) But if we can go around making claims about anything, and then people will be in jail. Yes, they'll probably get exonerated later, but that time, like we can, we can bypass all that. We have to be smarter. We have to be smarter as, as humans. And, and as to say about what, let me hear what the baristas has to say was going on. Okay. Now I got two conflicting stories. Well, there's witnesses here. Hey, sir, I see your videotaping. What did you see happen? Oh, oh, you have a videotape. Can I see it? There you go. You get, then you go to the owner. Hey, I watched the videotape. I talked to the witnesses, the other patrons at this, uh, at, at the coffee shop. And they said they didn't do anything wrong. There is no justification for me to arrest them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a personal complaint, hey, that's on you. Then you need to talk to your owner. You need to talk to the manager. That is not a police matter. And therefore, this is all alleviated. Also with that, I wanted to... I know I'm kind of going on a little rant here, but hey, it is what it is. And this ties into the rapture discussion too, because TI is saying that we should boycott uh, Starbucks. I disagree with him on that. Because if I'm a business owner... I have no control to a certain extent of what my employees are doing. You know, I have, you know, we have our rule books, we have our set set of protocols outside of that. I can't predict that, you know,
0: they would do something like this. One. Of course not, because that's, hence, that's why the pub, the public comes into your place and that's how you run business. Exactly. You can't control all of that. You can try to, you can try to mitigate it here and there, but you're not going to control everything.
1: And, and so that's my point is now, now, where I say I will agree with T.I. is if we get to the point where from everything that I'm seeing is Starbucks said that they're going to look into the matter. They looked into the matter. They apologize for the situation. Now, I do think those employees that call the cops should be reprimanded in some respects if it's losing their job. And I, I don't call for people losing their jobs lightly at all. I don't believe I, I, I don't wish anybody to lose their job. That's a livelihood. That's how they're paying their, feeding their family. But there are situations where you're justified to be fired. And I think in this situation, if you're going to take your personal discriminatory or racist ideologies into the workplace, then yes. Especially if you deal with people, that's probably not the best job for you.
0: Kick rocks, homie.
1: And so that would be if Starbucks doesn't do something to remedy the situation with the patrons, the the, the gentlemen that uh, were arrested, one. And two, with the employees or whoever caused this action in the first place, then yes, a boycott might be necessary. But I don't think we should just automatically jump to a boycott. Because again, let's say I'm the store owner of that or I, I'm the I'm the president of Starbucks. I have nothing to do with that. Like my beliefs, I might like it might be me, D. Ray, who believes similar to logic, like every race. Re- Let people be them. If it's not like affecting you, then what is the issue? Like then, then if it's not literally affecting you, then what is the issue? And so I would hate that if I owned a business, I had an employee that I hired do something like this. And people group that in with, with my business and me. I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's right. Because
0: they're a representation of you. Exactly. Right
1: now. Exactly. That, and that's my point is yes, they are a representation of Starbucks, but that's like taking a family situation. You have a son. Your son comes out and does something horrendous. It is somewhat of a reflection on you, but you can't be held responsible for those actions. Like, you're not going to go to jail because something your son did.
0: Right. He's his own person. Yeah, he's his own. Person. Right.
1: And so, therefore, we should apply this same situation to this business. Now, H&M, that's a different story. H&M, that advertisement and that idea was passed, 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 passed. And somebody in corporate said, yeah, we go with this
0: yeah get, you know yeah, what i'm saying exactly. there's a, there's yeah. different
1: there's a difference in these situations starbucks that owner didn't then call corporate then corporate called the president and the president said yeah call the cops on them no <laughs> it, it it didn't make up that that high up so that's where i draw the line i want to i want to hear what you think about the again since this is your first time hearing about the starbucks incident what do you think about and, and what's your take on just basically what i just broke down
0: as far as ti boycotting starbucks I didn't even hear about that. I I was rewatching the documentary but I don't know if I've missed that. Did he mention that in there? No, he
1: didn't mention it in the documentary. He, this whole Starbucks thing just recently happened and I just brought it up cuz it ties into what uh mm. the the documentary is the the this episode with T.I.E. is kind of putting to the forefront.
0: Okay. You hit the nail right on the head. If it is your business, I would I would have some disciplinary action with the baristas or whoever it is <laughs> myself personally, especially if I'm the owner of that that particular place. Because to me, that's unacceptable because you're going to draw in something that could put us out and not just me, your fellow coworkers and anyone who is a partner or affiliated with us. Mm-hmm. So there's a much, there's much more at stake than just, um, than just what meets the eye. Correct. So I would definitely do something, um, in terms of disciplinary action with those, with the, uh, people who are. Call the cops.
1: Gotcha. I know we kind of went on a little, <laughs> a little, uh, a tirade or uh, soliloquy about uh, the Starbucks situation, but let's let's bring it back to uh, Rapture. This particular episode, one thing that I want to say it that brought up to me is just the fact of them being in Atlanta. It evoked uh, so many memories of me um, in college and just seeing the Atlanta streets. And
0: are you from Atlanta? No, I, I went, to college, went to college there. Oh. Yeah,
1: um, so I spent twelve years out there, and uh, just the the feeling of the city. Uh, Especially when it comes to these racial issues, I felt like it did give me a different perspective on race relations in America as a result of living in the South versus coming from California where diversity is more open.
0: I was actually I was just about to ask you that too. what well, like what was your experience from over there in the South versus over here? But kinda already answered that.
1: Yeah, basically uh, that's why I left the South because I I felt pigeonholed In uh, especially professionally, to whatever situation I was in as a result of my color. Don't get me wrong, California still has racism, and it's still present here as well. It's just in different manners. In some places, it's more covert. In some places, more overt. Um, So that's that was my um, experience in in Georgia and in the South. Now, uh, going back to the documentary. Uh, that that actually brought me to a point of something that David Banner said um, was that the understanding the purpose of the hustle. I felt as a result of that, I think that's kind of the mentality that the the people, the other black people that I saw in Atlanta and in in the South were kind of experiencing. It was like we understand that there's only so much we can do, mm-hmm. and regardless of what we say or what we do, and that's it's a, kind of an acceptance. But on the flip side, there are people that it's not an acceptance for them. What they're doing is they're biding their time, working their way to provide enough capital to become financially free. So then they can change the rules. So it's basically that idea of playing the game by their rules until you get into position to change the rules.
0: Yeah. And then break off and say, fuck that. Yeah. So,
1: and, and so I, I, I see that and I get it. It's just, it's just, that's, that's hard to kind of accept for me as again, I think, I think if I was born in Atlanta or born in the South, I think my ideology would change. But the, so that's just kind of the 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 feeling but is that's why I felt that that the purpose of the hustle is finding out what your hustle is and using that to put yourself in positions to help others. And I feel like that's what TI is doing and he's he's using his his platform and his um ability to to highlight that even more and give other people opportunities.
0: I definitely agree. Um as a matter of fact, that was one of his reasons because he says music has always been the key to like spread a message. It's always been entertainment. Any any form of entertainment. That was uh kind of how especially the younger generation, because we're all, you know, tech guy tech people now, we're all we always have some sort of device next to us. So whatever message that we're implementing in whatever form of media that we have, people are gonna gather around, whether it's positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So I, I really do agree with him on trying to spread some positivity or at least some change something somewhere where it, it's uh, action derived from entertainment
1: and uh, Jane Elliott touched on that as well saying oh, yes, that yes, you yes. you you give that you present information in a way that basically the youth will absorb it and parse through it and pull out some those gems they might not get it all but they'll pull out enough that if you consistently do that enough they'll pull out enough gems that you can start affecting change because you have to start affecting the change of the mind. Of of changing their mindset so that then they start to think because going back to police brutality and stuff like that is Van Jones kind of brought this up of and it's kind of the same feelings that I felt and and that's why I was I, I was very um, disheartened and I felt I felt uh, somewhat hopeless uh, is when we started getting uh, increase in these police videos of you know Walter Sterling Alton Scott Mike Brown Freddie Gray is the disheartening aspect of it to me was. As as a younger man, I was like, "Well, I know this is going on, and I know it's going on at the rate that it's still going on now. The difference is, video is allowing us to see it more. The numbers aren't rising; it's just we're capturing it more. We're 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 videoing more because there's there's more phones out there. There's more ability to uh, capture an incident than it was prior.
0: Right. There's always there's a little bit more evidence out there now."
1: But that's that's the down that's that's the disheartening part about it, it, that there is more evidence being presented, cops are still getting off, black men are still getting shot, black men are still getting killed in the same situations, and because that that's what I was saying, and I, I mentioned it on several podcasts before. I can't even um, there's so many you just got to go back and look. Uh, I think I mentioned it on uh the Kaepernick will you stand, sit or, or take a knee uh, episode, and it was that idea of. Before it was like, okay, well, they don't see it. There's no evidence to prove it. So that's why it's still going on. Well, now there's evidence to prove it and they're still getting off. That's the disheartening because then it's it's not it, it makes me it, it makes you feel like it's no longer that it's that they didn't have the evidence. It's just regardless of the evidence, they don't care. They don't care about us. They don't that's care to about be worse. our lives. That's way and worse. That's like something happening. And, and that's you're not why I said anything. that's why I felt hopeless. Because before it's like, okay, maybe they just don't know. Maybe they don't see what I see. Maybe they, 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 they don't see it because it's, it's plausible. If you're, if, you're, um, if you're a white person in middle class family, you don't have uh, 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 friends or, or people that you know that are of different races or cultures and you're not around them, you only know what you know. So if you all you see is white people and they're living a pretty good life and this, this, and this, and all you see is negative uh, depictions of black people in the media – and then you see, uh, you always have positive interactions with cops. Your opinion about cops is going to be favorable. And your opinion about black people is most likely going to be non-favorable. Again, because all, that's based on your experiences and what you've seen.
0: Experiences and perception.
1: But now that we're seeing these videos of, uh, as I said, black men not doing anything. Walter Scott running away. Running away and getting shot in the back. And we're still not at the point where, if you're not black, that we're doing more that's, to me, the most disheartening, and that's why I felt hopeless. Um, I've, I've, I've overcame that hopeless feeling and, and just believe that we, we all have to just do as much as we can, similar to what CI said, try to put action to words. And, and hopefully, with enough of those actions, things will change. But that's why those words by Vance Jones really uh, resonated with me, because there was an episode where that's exactly um, what I was expressing. Is, is, is that hopeless and, and that powerlessness. And that kind of ties me to a, a scene that uh, I wanted to get your opinion about what you thought about the scene with T.I. and his son sitting in the car. Oh,
0: yeah, I wrote that down. I was going to yeah. ask you that too. That one was pretty powerful to me because usually, un- unfortunately as well, in the black community, the fathers aren't usually there. To me, that was already number one because he's already establishing a father-son relationship. Uh, when he sat in the car, it felt like he was talking to him a little bit more than just his son. It was more just like, almost like one soul to another.
1: The crux of the conversation was basically saying kind of like what I was just talking about. We're seeing all this stuff in media. We're seeing all these images of black men being shot by uh, white cops. And a lot of them, it's unarmed black men. And he's basically just saying like, how is this affecting you? Because again, we also have to take into account that imagery does affect uh, mentality to a certain degree if you constantly seeing images of black men being killed and marred for no reason that's going to have an effect on you as 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 a person of what is the reason is it because we're not worth it is it because our lives don't matter and that's why this whole black lives matter thing is important is because again we're not saying that no other lives lives matter is the feeling that what we see in media what we see in society what we see on a daily basis is giving us evidence that you don't think our lives matter so we're wanted to let you know that for us it does matter and we should be treated as so that's why we don't need why lives matter because y'all made it very clear that it doesn't your lives matter so that is the whole precipice behind it but that is what he was asking is basically like as a young man how are you internalizing this because i'm old enough I'm speaking as if I'm T.I. I'm old enough to be able to internalize this and deal with it. I want to make sure you as my son can and that you're not taking it as it could be, as in we're not worth it. My life doesn't matter. How Basically, how are you internalizing it? Because if you are internalizing it in that negative aspect, mm. then as a father, I need to do something to make sure that I dis, dis dispel that right, and, and give you something positive to think about but still being realistic, and and that's you know, I think that's what it kind of led to.
0: Do you, um, do you remember the scene where he took his son? Uh, ma- uh, I think it's Major. Yeah, I think it's Major. To the uh, Or is it King. I think it's King. The younger, the younger one with the the l- larger hair. He took him to that um whatever that place was, and he asked him about that fourteen year old that got shot. And he says, "How old yeah, are you?" Till, yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Somehow he felt towards that. and He goes disappointed.
1: Yeah, and and that's. J- just uh, just because there has been some new information in regarding the Emmett Till case, uh, the woman that uh, claimed that he catcalled, held her hand or whatever the action that was supposedly the epitome for him being killed, um, stated that he never did anything to her. Like, that that she lied in essence, not even in essence that she did lie, that she lied and he was killed, dragged, killed, marred, murdered, for a lie and like a king major um I'm sorry whatever kid it is that I think was also important in that scene is that he was aware enough because a lot of times people don't think that kids are internalizing this stuff but that he was old enough and and and, and he internalized it and that he was disappointed in it I think was a uh, was interesting as well I want to go back to that scene of uh with uh, T.I.'s Tias other son in, in the car back to that scene real quick and the thing that stuck out to me was that uh malcolm martin conversation aspect of the conversation that he was like you know i i want to be like malcolm but if i have to be i'll be martin i mean no yeah no i want to be martin but if i have to be i'll be malcolm
0: oh yeah that was that was when they were like pulling out yeah so
1: um i just think that and and that especially with uh youth it, it that's the the battle that you have it's a lot of this uh institutional racism, systemic race, racism, oppression, all of it is it's infuriating. And that anger, that infuriation can be manifested in many ways. And that's why it's important for people like TI to educate and express other options to divert and, and to propel that infuriation and that rage and that anger. And, uh, all that into something that will evoke change, and that's why I think. So that's why earlier when I said that, I feel like Ti has been talking about the same things for a while. I feel like he's been talking about that, but now he's in the transition of figuring out other ways to go about making that change, such as voting, such as contacting your congressman, such as things of that nature.
0: Do you Do you also remember that scene where he was with his son? He straight up pulled the car over and he joined the 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 march, the rally. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh, you know, shit, it's Ti and stuff like that." He because he has the the platform to really like spread the message out. It was I th- I thought that was awesome. I, what yeah. did you think about that? Yeah, I
1: thought that was excellent, and that was going to bring me to the point I was going to come up to. Thank you. Uh, is converting those words into actions, as he said, and and a lot of these times, uh, a lot of people think that you have to be, you know. Uh, this you know philosophy major that understands all these deeper meanings of life to to really evoke change and be an activist or you have to be a political major or you have to have gone to college none of those things are required what's required is a strong will a strong idea of what you want to affect and hopefully it's positive right <laughs> and then the work and dedication that is going to take to make that happen and just like in the situation that you brought up he. He felt something. He felt strongly about something enough. He started to take action. He saw an opportunity and he took the action. He got out of his car and joined the march. It's little actions such as that. Like if we all do little actions such as that. Like I said, a little action of, of of if you see somebody being oppressed. If you see if you see a a, a black man being um assault, assaulted by the cops, stop. I'm not saying, you know, put your life in danger, you know, you got to be smart about the situation, but do what you can to help it. If it's, you know, videotaping it so that they have some, some other evidence to validate their story. If it's, you know, calling a lawyer for them or, or if you are a lawyer being, uh, you know, being their lawyer for them, whatever it is, those little bits of help T I joining that March, I guarantee you, there's going to be somebody in that crowd that was a kid that was like, if T I with all his money and all his fame, if he has ability to use his voice for in this regard, I can do the same thing, and then they might go contact contact their congressman and start working on. That's uh, what sparks uh, movement. a movement, fe- affecting a bill, or you know, they might start an organization saying, you know what, you know, I want to start an organization where we start providing funds for people that have been falsely accused and falsely arrested to help with their legal their legal fees because they're not in a position to do it. You know, those are the little actions and. That's what it takes. Again, everybody doesn't have to be a Martin. Everybody doesn't have to be a Malcolm. Everybody doesn't have to be a Louis Farrakhan, an Angela Davis, uh, a Hue. Excuse me, a Huey P. Newton, a Sokley Carmichael. But we all have the ability to affect change. And so I thought that was very uh, important. But with that, also you need to educate yourself. I'm not, I'm not, that's why there's, there's a lot of issues and stuff that I don't address or that I don't speak on because I don't feel like I'm educated enough about it. I need to learn more about it or, or, um, ask more questions about it. That doesn't mean I don't care. That doesn't mean that I'm I'm not for the cause, but everybody is not built to talk about everything and you can't, It's, it's literally too many things to talk about to, to be, uh, to be abreast on everything and be, um, Educated on everything, so pick and choose what you you know. But again, if you see injustice in any form, do what you can to stop it. Do what you can to to prevent it, because those are the things you can affect.
0: Uh, even even the even the smallest amount of, even the smallest amount of action can have the smallest domino can knock over a big one. Exactly, especially collectively.
1: Exactly, exactly, and that kind of brings me to the point of where they were talking about the leaders, um, where, where are the leaders at? And that is something I do think the black community kind of needs to address. I feel like we had clear cut leaders and I start, I feel like we're starting to get some more, but we need to, I feel like elevate and, and, and understand that even our best of leaders, nobody's perfect. We're going to all have, uh, missteps, uh, downsides, but as long as we're moving forward, let just keep moving forward. I feel like we're getting to a point where we're getting back to where things used to be in the regard of entertainers and people of influence becoming more socially um, impacted and having social impact.
0: You th- you think it's more now than it was back then?
1: No, I don't think it's more now than it was back then. I think it's starting to move in that direction of where it was back then. Oh. What I mean by that is back in the day, you had Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Paul Robeson, James Baldwin, Harry Belafonte. If you go into the, the sports realm, you had um, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown. All of those people were coming together. And even though they knew that speaking out on these things could eventually affect their their stance um, or or their income, their, their clout, they still did it anyways. And I felt like there was a period of time where we stopped doing that. And I feel like we're starting to get to that now where we have, you know, Jesse Williams, Childish Gambino, Issa Rae, Anthony Anderson, Jay-Z. TI all talking about social injustice bringing it back to that same vein that I was talking about before with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um Colin Kaepernick now LeBron James LeBron James Chris was, Paul yeah. in comparison to um Kareem Bill Russell so I think that is is needed and I think will also help evoke the change because it it, it presents it in a way that the youth can understand uh hip hop is 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 a movement of the youth and if we can get that to them to express that uh i think it will have a, a, a an effect on society as a whole um because we see the effect that society has on the whole it affects hip hop affects society on a whole in every aspect think about what we wear what we say what we drink <laughs> you know uh <laughs> it so it affects us it just now we just have to make sure we're putting out uh a, a breath of uh of experiences and knowledge to make more well-rounded individuals so that you do have your social conscious individuals, but you also have, you know, your fun times, you know? Like mm-hmm. I said, uh, the, the beginning of this podcast, I said I felt like this episode was about the complexity of humans. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, this was definitely a lot more eye-opening than just about T.I.'s background. Yeah, exactly. And A lot more.
1: One of the things I want to applaud T.I. is for taking to being open to saying what he's saying and knowing that it could take a hit on his finances as well as his popularity um i think that takes a, a level of of a level of strength and and confidence to to say you know i, I believe in i i believe in these things more than i believe are or, or that i'm relying on the financial abilities of of my music because i guarantee you uh us or else uh the letter to the system i don't think I guarantee you, he could have made another album which would have sold a lot more than this one did. But I guarantee you, in his heart, he feels he's more satisfied with the results of this album than he would have if he just put out an album that he believed would have been, uh, you know, monetarily successful.
0: Well, he does actually have, I think he has another album coming out. The album release date is to be determined. I was just on, uh, on yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, but I'm saying,
1: the Us or Else and This Is Us came out last year. He could have put out, a popular project, instead of that last year, and then that would have been for that fiscal year. He would have made more money than he than he
0: did. Oh, you just okay. I, I all right. Yeah. So
1: that's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I, I just I I just uh, commend him for he made a sacrifice, sacrificing the monetary gain he could have by making a more uh, popular album, to sacrifice that to make a more socially conscious album. I think is. I think is important and and it speaks to the, to me, it speaks to the man versus uh, the persona. The last, I say uh, to, to kind of wrap this up because this has been a longer podcast, The one of the things that I wanted to go back to as well is what we were talking about, that contradiction towards the last scenes with T.I. and Harry Belafonte is excess versus modesty and I, I just thought that was an interesting idea of, again, that's why I brought it back to being complex because it's, it's a balancing, like to me, I always say this and I got it from um Absol, shout out to Absol, TDE. Life's a balancing act is, life's about balance. You want to enjoy your monetary successes, but at the same time, you don't want to allow it to get to the point so that you're materialistic.
0: Or lazy, not enough to do anything else.
1: Exactly, being complacent versus working too hard. Like it, there's a balance and I, I just think the way that T.I. expressed that when he talked about the jewelry was, I think was important, he was like, I do get it that you can see it from one perspective and it also speaks to the fact of that's the important thing about having dialogues with people. You can understand why and why, why they do what they do and what is the reasoning behind it.
0: Healthy dialogue. That's exactly what T.I. said.
1: And as he said, when he was talking about a jewelry, he's like, well, yeah, this has diamonds on around it, but it's my baby girl. It's my daughter. Okay. Yeah, it is materialistic, but he might not be holding. Yeah, the diamonds give it a nice, a nice look, but the value that he holds in it is the value that he feels about his daughter. So that changes it from, you know, that's not materialistic. That, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That you're valuing the memories that is bringing about your daughter and the experiences that you had with your daughter and that you continue to have with your daughter and the love that you have for your daughter. That's that's To me, that's different. But again, it can be viewed that way. So that's why I think the dialogue and the open communication is so important because now you know that about TI. Because I guarantee you there's a lot of people that look on, especially um, – Taking it into the context of hip hop, people that don't understand hip hop and and it might not be for them might look at hip hop and say, oh, it's just loud music, oh, it's just a lot of cussing, it's a lot of bitches, it's a lot of uh, drug talk. But then if you really you know get into the culture, you understand that a lot of it is they're not saying you know they're not portraying it as positives. They're portraying it as this is what we see, this is situations that's going on, and this is the way we made it out, or just like a movie like people and and that's the crazy thing about it too is people will degrade and put down hip-hop and gangster rap or anything negative about hip-hop but they'll praise scarface
0: well the thing is like hip-hop a lot of it well certain parts i should say certain parts of hip-hop um it's just possibly too real for the people to probably listen to i mean think of it this way on the radio that's probably what people hear hip-hop the most is the radio after all the media is in control of what's being put out there on those airwaves so maybe we gotta sit and ask ourselves this can't just be all hip-hop it can't this can't just be just it about popping mollies or drinking lean or anything like that maybe what I'm listening to is a certain version of hip-hop but I'm pretty sure there's another side there's always two sides in my opinion so oh what you're, you're gonna say something to yeah
1: what To touch on that is that that will take us into a a very different conversation because that goes into me to institutional and systemic racism is the people that are in control of the radios usually what is it they say like Viacom owns 90% like MTV, VH1, like all of those. So they're pushing out, even though it seems like they're different companies, they're pushing out similar content. Most of the people that are running those are white men and that goes back to, like I said, systemic and ins- institutional racism is if you're a rich white man and you're in a position and you want to hold on to the power that you have, the best way to do that is by controlling the content that's put out. Make sure that the content you're putting out is portrayed by people, usually in a
0: negative light. That's that's where I'm tying it into. And that's, that's
1: yeah. why I say it, that becomes an evolved conversation because the artist only has so much control over what is put on the radio. The radio stations have control over that. The people that own the radio stations have control over that. The people that own those companies have control over that. And then that gets up to, like I said, to the point of a whole bunch of rich white men that have that control.
0: So That's where you need it's imperative to educate yourself.
1: Is it's imperative, yeah, and exactly. It's imperative to educate yourself, but it's also imperative that you don't that you under if you understand the system that it's in and that you're in, then you can understand and parse through the information that's given it's, it's the same regard that if if i have a business and i want you to be a part of that business you assume that everything i'm going to tell you is going to be positive because if i want you to join why would i tell you something negative about the business i want you to be in
0: well from a maybe from a, a person who just looks at it that way but me no i want to know everything so yeah. i know exactly what yeah. i'm going to get into yeah
1: most people no most people from that perspective on the outside in they want to know everything but from the person that's on the inside, that's trying to get the people on the inside, they never usually tell them all of it. They only usually tell you the positive because then that gains favor. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to think about it. When these channels and, and streams that are giving you this information, what is what is the purpose of them giving that information? Is it to make money? Is it to maintain power? Or is it to educate you? That will determine how you should take that information. Like it's... it's to me, it's like that goes back to the point of: Are you just gonna take anything anybody ever tells you? Are you just gonna if if I tell you this sky's red, you're just gonna believe me? Are you gonna do your research and and figure out? It looks blue to me. He's saying it's red. Let's let's figure out who's right. Like that's where I feel like people need to get to the point of like, we need to, we can't rely on everybody to educate us. We can't rely on our celebrities, to educate us. I I think that's an unfair, realistic unfair and unrealistic expectation because not all of our celebrities, not all of our athletes, not all of our, all of our entertainers are, like I said, are in positions or educated enough about set topics to give that to you. So we have to put that onus on ourselves and like I said, and that revolves you taking into account where you're getting the information from. And that just goes with anything. That goes with any business, any any, any aspect of life. You have to understand the source at which, which you're getting the information from.
0: That is so right about that. And also maybe the emotional aspect in terms of wanting to discover the truth, the realness, the whatever it is you got to go through to expose it.
1: And that's where I think bro, that's where we get into our problem is I don't think I think most people, again, it feels like I'm labeling people, but it is what it is. I just feel like a lot of people are lazy. They don't want to do that extra work. They don't want to do that extra extra research because it's easier not to. And to be real, a lot of people have a lot of stuff going on in their lives that they don't feel like they have the time to devote to other
0: things. No, they're just too focused on waking up, doing their daily thing and not finding out the better part of reality.
1: And that's going to be a detriment to our kids kids and the the generations moving forward because if if we're not in a position to take the time to try to make this world a better place for ourselves much less for our children then who's gonna do it (laughs) who somebody has to do it and it can't be one person it has to be a substantial enough amount of people that want to make a change and that are willing to make the sacrifices that comes with change and that leads me to one of my uh one of the final things that I wanted to uh, bring up about this was it this reminds me of a quote that uh I, i've said several times before from j cole uh and it comes from uh high for hours when he it's a it's a conversation that he had with the president when he got to meet the president and that's, that's what the song's about but the chorus of it is change is slow always has been always will be but fuck that i'm gonna bust back until they kill me and basically the way that I interpret that is by saying by him saying is when we go on this road of social change and and wanting to make the world a better place realize change is slow change is slow it takes a long time for substantial change to take effect usually
0: Yeah d- definitely I mean it's a slow process even for yourself can you imagine yeah. a much larger crowd
1: Exactly and and to get them all to be Focus and and attend it to one goal and to push that goal is, is is very hard to come up. But the second part of that is, I think the 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 first part of that 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 quote I just named, keep that in mind. Change is slow. That's change is slow. Always has been. Always will be. But the second part is, I find is the most important. But fuck that, I'm gonna bust back until they kill me. Basically saying, I get that change is slow. I get that this is uh, this is gonna be a long process. But fucking, I'm with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride for this cause, and I'm gonna do it until it's over. So basically, that having convictions and being convicted to your thoughts. If 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 you want to end police brutality, make that make that your your objective, and and ride with that. And and what that means, that doesn't mean that if new information is presented, you don't change your opinion.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't be don't be very ignorant to where you won't listen to other things that could help, help you.
1: Exactly. But. But stay devoted and committed to the cause, and I think that's important: is is seeing it all the way through, or seeing it as through as far, as far through as you can. I think that's important. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? To just that that line, that quote, or or to say, say just, it one more
0: time, I'm really try to resonate with it.
1: Change is slow, always has been, and always will be. But fuck that, I'm gonna bust back until they kill me.
0: Well, I can definitely relate to that because I'm an action-oriented person once I put my mind to something, I want it, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. There's going to be some, you know, uh, trials trials and tribulations, but that is where I think human beings get the most strength is through adversity. Cause if everything was not when it comes, we don't know how the fuck to deal with it. So that's, so that quote really resonates with me, but more of a personal Mm -hmm. sort of, sort of aspect just hearing that alone. It kind of like just wants me to like drop this mic and just go to the gym and just start lifting some shit. (laughs)
1: It's it's a it's, a, it's a definitely a good song. What I'll say to kind of wrap this up, I just think that this, out of all of the episodes that we've gone through so far, this was the most, most, this was the most intellectually stimulating episode for me so far. Um, and it took me to a lot of different realms. Uh, one because I, I didn't expect it. I didn't I didn't think they would talk about you know social issues or anything like that. The no, I didn't day. either. But I thought it was going to be very very uh, either music oriented or personal. Person oriented, but with the the person of Ti, it makes sense. That's the route that they went. So I I was very happily uh, surprised by the direction that they went in, and it, it it sparked and it gave me more resolve into the things that I already wanted to that I have been and and wanting to work towards, but gave me more resolve into continue doing that. As well as it, it, it gave us a great, interesting conversation that I think it took it to places that it necessarily one of if they didn't go into such a um, Heavy and involved uh, space, and there's so much more we could talk about it. There's a lot of uh, topics and 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 things that they brought up in this episode that I I wanted I I wanted to get into, but it's just so um, dense that uh, we didn't want to extend the podcast too long. (laughs) Oh right, yeah. So, is there anything else you want to say before we get on out of here regarding this episode uh, and just your overall feelings about the episode?
0: I guess to kind of summarize the whole thing, um, I like the deliverance of it. I like how. It was different than the other two. Yeah, I mean, yes, it did touch on only the, pretty much the beginning, mostly uh, about Ti's you know life, uh, how he grew up, how he got into the drug trade, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I liked how there was a more powerful message behind it. I think that the other two were just primarily focused about just their biographies, mm-hmm. and kind of who they are and whatnot. But this one definitely had a powerful message in it, and I think it's I think it's great that Nas. Uh, really wanted to show that to the people and ti was obviously but he, i bet you he probably helped pitch in like hey i really think we should probably do this too I, i'm pretty sure they collaborate on it yeah. somehow some way so um i thought it was definitely eye-opening and it kind of like it's almost like reopening an old wound mm. so i i i really enjoyed it i really learned a lot from it that's awesome man
1: and uh so for those who are out there um Again, go check out Rapture, the documentary. This is part three, and on this episode, we discuss the T.I. episode. Normally, I end the episodes with um, our our slogan, and actually, I'll say that now, but I want to end it with the quote by Harry Belafonte because I think that quote was so profound, and I think for this episode, that is really the only way I feel would be uh, fitting to end it. So, as you know... Uh, the Stay Well Podcast is presented by The thesunandbreakdown.com. Go check out our article there. And you know our motto, live, listen to some great music, and above all, love more. And as I said, uh, actually, I want to say thank you as well to you and then uh, Damon, and definitely go check out Vibrations Podcast. And then I'll end it with the Harry Belafonte quote, to seek the truth and to make that voice the dominant one is where our salvation resides. And I think the hope of salvation resides in our heart. Harry Belafonte. So with that being said, I I believe just like him that our our, our salvation resides in our heart. So hopefully uh, we can make everybody's heart a little bit bigger and to include everybody. So with that being said, thank you for listening to another Stay Woke podcast.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, Dira. And we're out. Peace.